Hello and welcome to the Westwick podcast. My name is Alison McGonagall and I'm delighted to be joined today by Brandon Blako and Evelyn O'Riordan, co-founders of BioWave. BioWave develop modular game controller kits which can be customised based on the requirements of each individual gamer. The company is based in GMIT iHubs in Galway, currently employing three full-time staff with a further four being recruited at the moment. The company was established in 2019 and has since gone from strength to strength, which we will further discuss in this episode. Without further ado, good afternoon to you both and thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to join us today. Thanks very much for having us, we appreciate it. So let's delve straight in. Firstly, Brandon, I'd like to ask you to further explain what exactly BioWave is all about and what it is you do. Sure. Uh, So BioWave is about giving our user base the ability to build their own customized input device. We're starting out with the gaming space, but we want the concept to apply to any area where a user needs to build a customized controller to access the digital world. Uh, How that's done is through the ecosystem that we're developing, which consists of software tools as well as hardware tools. The easiest way to explain it is it's Lego for controllers. You snap them together, giving nearly unlimited customization to the controller you want to build. The software tools lets you remap what these inputs do and lets you engage with the community and share your ideas with other people, allowing for shared creation through shared experiences with others. Brilliant. And Brandon, just to clarify for our listeners today, in terms of the actual controller itself, are those compatible with the likes of Xboxes, Playstations, and other similar systems and devices? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So starting out, uh, we're really lucky to be supported by Microsoft. uh, And because of that, our controller will start out working with the Xbox, as well as Windows, uh, Mac, iOS, and Android. So starting out, it won't work on PlayStation or uh, the Nintendo Switch, but in the future, we hope to uh, partner with both Sony and Nintendo. Fantastic. So am I correct in saying that you're now live and generating revenue in terms of the Xbox-compatible controller? That is just about correct. Uh, We have just done a beta stage which was revenue generating but essentially the hard launch of the controller will happen uh, in the christmas season this year where we aim to be in smith's toys on the microsoft website uh, and also selling on our own online platform but we will have a kickstarter campaign where we will allow the community that's been engaging with us to this point to pre-purchase a controller uh, for a discounted price and we expect to sell 3,000 plus controllers at this Kickstarter stage and 10,000 at the end of the year. Fantastic, guys. So if you don't mind, Evelyn, I'm just going to bring it back to yourself in terms of the idea generation mm-hmm. uh, and how exactly you know this idea came about. I think it's a very interesting story from your point of view. Yeah, so the idea obviously came from both of us, but from my perspective, um, I... Like we, when we were friends when we were kids and we used to play games together all the time. Um, but I actually have a disability. Um, I have a connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And when I was 14, I injured my hand and I developed um, a nerve condition called complex regional pain syndrome. So as you can imagine, it's pretty painful. 
Um, so that's my right hand. So like that caused me a lot of problems, but in terms of gaming, using video game controllers was my main issue when that happened to me. And it was pretty significant. There were a lot of things I couldn't do anymore and being not, not being able to play games was pretty difficult for me. Um, there are ways I could play, um, but they would cause me pain. And I just felt like I wasn't really playing to my best of my ability. And the experience just wasn't what I believed it could be if I had another solution. And I couldn't really understand why there was nothing out there. Um, to me, it seemed like, you know, I don't understand why I couldn't just have a controller that worked for me. It didn't seem like um, so far out of the reach of what we have today in technology. Um, but I looked around, I looked online, there, I couldn't find any controller that fitted the needs that I wanted, but I found a lot of other people who are also looking for controllers, um, who are also find, having the same problem as me. Um, there just isn't, or there wasn't a solution that was working for a lot of people out there, and there just wasn't enough development in the space. But me and Brandon reconnected um, in 2020, and we ended during a game jam, so we spent 48 hours making a video game and we were like this is fun <laughs> we like working together and um yeah we wanted to play games together again but obviously because of my disability i wasn't really able to play and when i told brandon about my problem you know he being an engineer who has a passion for developing solutions um engineering solutions he sort of prompted us to keep going and try and find a solution for the problem that me and millions of other people are facing so that's the start of BioWave. So it's all really flourished from there fantastic Evelyn and thank you very much for sharing that story I think it's lovely to hear of how I suppose you've almost went full circle by reconnecting again and joining forces to tackle this problem and I think it's worthwhile noting as well what you've alluded to in terms of it's almost a textbook example of how a business or a startup should be formed you said there about how you recognized a pain point from your own experience and that the problem existed not only for you but for you know several others and in turn then you identified that there was a gap in the market for a solution like this and I think you know regardless of what type of business or what industry you're in market validation is crucial um, in the formation of a successful startup in addition to this, Evelyn, I get a great sense of passion and enthusiasm from you in terms of bettering the situation, just not for yourself, but for others who find themselves in this position. And I can imagine this is a main driver or factor in terms of ensuring BioWave is a success going forward. So I'll move on by coming back to yourself, Brandon. Could you outline the initial stages of starting the business and what challenges, if any, you experienced? Oh, yeah, for sure. I could speak of this all day. <laughs> Initially, I wanted to do a startup uh, since I was a kid. I saw my dad in business, uh, and I, was, I really wanted reasons to implement exciting new technology and bring people together socially. Uh, so a startup is the best way to do that. I started finding out about startups uh, at the start of my university career with events and things that were going on. So I started kind of tune in uh, to these different areas. The biggest challenge we had starting out was, first of all, figuring out how do you even start? Uh, so for us, we found uh, multiple different accelerators uh, that I kind of taken note of throughout my university degree. Uh, and 
we applied to Y Combinator uh, with, you know, a pretty uh, vague notion of our idea and just didn't get on. But we made on to the uh, UCD Nova Accelerator, which we're really fortunate to have done. Mm -hmm. That was the entry point. We put a lot of effort into getting into that. The biggest challenges we faced from then, there are a lot of standard challenges. Like you just have to put an extraordinary amount of work in and you have to sacrifice so many things in your life to make a startup work. You're trying to figure out as well what your skill sets aren't because you're going through university trying to be the best person you can be. And then you have to you know, mix that with reality where you can't be the best at everything. So trying to quickly figure out what you aren't uh, great at, uh, trying to work as a team, and then trying to find the supports necessary in advice, uh, in finance, uh, in order to build out this very complicated plan that competes with some of the largest companies in the world. But then the hardest part is convincing people that you can do this, like you're the person to do this, uh, especially when it's something that's a large ambition and it's in the hardware space. Uh, there's a lot of software development going on and a lot of software startups around the world and in Ireland in fintech and even in gaming uh, and in marketplaces. But uh, to come out with something that's kind of hardware based, uh, and I think the idea was fairly novel around mixing the hardware with the software where, you know, it's kind of like it's bringing the whole IOT side of things into it. Um, and the users can create their own software that integrates with the hardware. It's hard to concisely describe that and concisely relate it to ideas that already exist in order to get people onto your side with it. And then there's also the fact that we were we, we did want to do something that we we're very motivated to do, something positive, uh, which is in line with kind of how the world is moving. But it can be difficult to say that a market such as uh, the accessible or the disability uh, market is large enough for mass producing uh, hardware devices. Uh, and the problem is there isn't an extraordinary amount of research done on a lot of different disabilities. Uh, so it's not readily available information that you can show uh, people to get on your side. So pretty much to summarize, uh, putting the case together for something that doesn't exist and or getting people on your side and uh, getting them to believe that you're the person that should be doing it or you're the people that should be doing it. That's the biggest challenge. Just while we're on that topic, Brandon, um, I don't, if you don't mind me asking, and again, firstly, for the benefit of our listeners, both Brandon and Nevin are quite young entrepreneurs. And I'm curious to know, did you ever find that this you know, factor may have went against you in terms of people deciphering if you were the right team or people to bring this project forward? You know, it's not that people may have been necessarily condescending towards you, but did you ever get a feeling or a sense that people didn't believe that someone so young could actually successfully carry this project forward? Or in fact, did you yourself feel a sense of imposter syndrome at any stage? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's natural. I also understand it to a degree. I would probably have the same uh, consideration. Uh, if, if I had gone through my career and you know I had learned an extraordinary amount, 
Uh, and then in that same space, I saw someone a lot younger uh, coming in saying, you know, they're going to do something and you know that they might not have all the experience that you have. It's natural to kind of think that, you know, why should, why should this person be doing this? I think, but at the same time, for a really healthy startup ecosystem, uh, we all, I guess, have to like support whatever ideas that new people entering the ecosystem uh, are pushing. Uh, and to be honest, uh, on the flip side of us having to overcome being young entrepreneurs, I think there are a lot of people aware of that maybe sort of bias. Uh, and because of that, we had compensation in people uh, really just willing to support us because they liked what we're doing. Uh, they liked the enthusiasm and the passion that we had for it. Uh, and like the advice that we got from multiple different people within the startup ecosystem in Ireland is the only reason that we're able to do the startup uh, like at the same time. Uh, so yeah, we have to be aware of it and we have to, it definitely added to convincing people but we were really lucky to have some great people supporting us along the way that compensated for that, I think. Brilliant. I think that's something that uh, listeners, particularly our young listeners, would like to hear, you know, um, in terms of if they have an idea going forward, they can relate back to what you've just said there. But I think it's worth noting as well, Brandon, it's something you even said before I posed that question, is that you recognise that you can't be all things to all people um, in terms of even, you know, all areas of the startup. So you recognise that there was gaps within the team. But that in itself, you know, shows a sense of maturity and awareness. So moving on to the next question, and Evelyn, I'll bring it back to you again. Have you always had ambitions to become an entrepreneur? Or would you say, for the want of a better word, you've kind of fallen into entrepreneurship? And I know, Brandon, you have alluded to the fact that your father has had a strong influence in terms of you becoming an entrepreneur. So Evelyn... That's why I'm posing this question to you. How would you consider yourself in this context? Would you consider yourself to have always had an entrepreneurial mindset? Um, I'd say I definitely didn't have the entrepreneurial mindset. Like I didn't grow up around it. None of, no one in my family is around business. But I did have the mindset of wanting to create things. Um, so I did a game design degree. Like I wanted to create content basically. Um, so in that sense, like I did want to put stuff out there, but in terms of the actual entrepreneurial business, I definitely fell into that with Brandon. Um, but he like led the way in that sense. Um, I'm incredibly grateful that I am able to be a part of the solution um, to the problem. And I guess I never imagined it because I think my imagination of what entrepreneurship was, like I don't think I had any really idea of what actually it consisted of um, and whether it was accessible. It seemed just kind of like so far away from where I was in that space. But I think I was like wrong in that, you know. Um, I think like an entrepreneurship is just whatever, like if you can you can make it sort of whatever you need it to be that will work for you. And I think that's sort of how I've managed my way through it in terms of with Brandon. Just my passion has always been creating um, my passion has always been around accessibility and accessibility in gaming. Um, I didn't imagine myself being co-founding a hardware gaming startup, but I think um, that's sort of the beauty about what we're doing is that it really comes from the passion of the problem and solution. And that has really just been driving us. And 
we speak with so many people from the community who have a problem and you know we ensure that we are designing for people and implementing that into our business plan always ensuring that what we're doing will work and that we're constantly improving upon things and that's really where I focus in the in the businesses the community and the front facing what people want um but yeah in terms of actually answering a question like yeah I did fall into it but in a kind of a really nice way for me anyway <laughs> fantastic um I think it was meant to be maybe Evelyn yeah <laughs> so you know guys in terms then what key supports did you receive during the startup process first key support we received uh was getting onto the accelerator in OVCD and they helped us understand generally the financial projections of a startup how to pitch for investment uh, and how to turn our idea into something uh, investable then we moved from that onto the new frontiers program so we received a lot of key sports there uh, one of the most important ones was money uh, because you know especially definitely there's a pressure when you leave university and go into the real world to get a job uh, mm -hmm. so you know uh, it's hard to tell your parents that you're doing a startup if there's no sort of money or anything there to support you. Uh, so the fact that we got New Frontiers made that really possible. And then we got onto New Frontiers Phase 3, which was an additional 7,500 on top of the uh, 15,000. So that gave pretty much nine months uh, of runway uh, whilst Evan was in uh, university at that time. But it gave nine months of runway to bring this idea to where it needed to be to then pitch for the competitive start fund and we received fantastic support from Westwick uh, when we were pitching for the competitive start fund and thankfully going through the three-state process of that we got it and I remember the day we got the email we were all jumping up and down uh, and we were so <laughs> excited and delighted uh, that all the work had come through and you know, with that money, everything became a little bit more real because we had to start budgeting, you know, correctly. It was more money than we dealt with before. And we had to really set up for the next stage, which, you know, requires for a startup company talking about 10 times multiples plus of the CSF amount of money. And that requires building a great team of advisors and we receive support in doing that every step along the way. But those, those advisors have given us support in intellectual property, uh, which has been very key for our business uh, in dealing with uh, how we talk uh, to competitors, uh, with dealing with how we are going about manufacturing the product in a very risk-averse uh, way uh, and risk uh, so that we can like sort of manage risk. Uh, and how we're going about marketing the product. Uh, and I mean, we've gotten advice in this from each different program we've done. And then we've also gotten supports from corporations like Microsoft, as I say, who have supported us in integrating their technology into our controller. And, you know, we hope to be on the Microsoft store then also when we sell. To be fair, we've also received support from people we just knew in our community. When we were younger, they see we're doing something great. And they want us. They want to see us succeeding because they want to see us succeeding, and they like what we're doing. We receive, receive support from our community that Evan's talking about, and we're building up. We receive support from Social Entrepreneurs Ireland, who uh, gave us the 
Impact Award last year, uh, and we've worked with them since uh, on the social impact of our company. And we've received support from Engineers Ireland, who given us the award of Innovative Graduate Engineer of the Year. So to be honest, I keep going on because we've received so much support. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's it's fantastic to see that support. And I think quite often for startups, the the ecosystem, you know, the entrepreneurial ecosystem can be quite daunting and hard to navigate. So, you know, by, by you just going through some of these as well, I think it will give our listeners a taste of what is actually out there. And just something I thought was interesting to note is I can see it shining through in terms of how much you value your, you know, the partnerships, whether it be with Microsoft, Engineers Ireland and so on. And also, you know, that's tying in and tapping into the network that you guys have built up. I recently heard someone say that, you know, your network is your net worth and I'd like to just see your thoughts on that in terms of how crucial do you think a network is to someone in an early stage startup? I think it makes things way easier because in order for the likes of what we're doing, uh, we need to be networked in with key manufacturers, uh, key partners for distribution, key partners for uh, you know marketing. There's, there's no way of doing it otherwise. So. It, you can start off by having a very small network, but you're going to have to build that network up somehow. So it's not necessarily a level playing field when you start out because some people are going to have bigger networks and some smaller. But I guess that's why the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Ireland is becoming more open and people people are very, very nice about pointing you in the right direction uh, to the right person for who you need for the right job. So I agree that your network is your net worth. Um, and, but I think even if your network consists of zero people starting out, uh, you can still make it because if you have a good pitch deck, have a good idea, talk to people, they'll point you in the right direction. In Ireland, that's been our experience. Yeah, exactly, Brandon. And, you know, some very interesting insights there. In relation to building your network up from the ground, I get a sense that coming through university and college, helped or supported you guys in that area and that actually ties in with my next question which is do you believe that higher educational institutions or third level institutions are doing enough in this space in terms of driving and promoting entrepreneurship among students or in general young people and if not how do you believe this could be better improved upon um well from like my own experience I wasn't very involved in anything to do with student entrepreneurship, which from now being very involved in entrepreneurship, I realized there was a big gap in that part of my education because I was, you know, doing game design to develop games and games or products. So I would have come out of college and not really known how to get my game out there. But, you know, now that we're, but I realize now, you know, that, you know, it is more accessible than I would have ever believed. So from my own experience, um, no, but also I wasn't really putting myself in the position either. You know, I wasn't seeking it out. So I feel like it's different for, you know, if you're seeking it out, I think there are more supports there than, you know, it's not directly in front of you maybe. Maybe you have to go a bit out of your way to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my only comment on top of that is pretty much, I think there's different types of startups. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, for hard tech startups, I think, Maybe there could be more maker spaces that have environments that let people get down and dirty with the technology 
in a open environment where they want to. Uh, I would have definitely loved that in university. Uh, despite the fact there are some maker spaces around, they're not really what I would have liked to see, or they didn't draw me in personally. Yeah, that's a very interesting observation, Brandon. And you know, Evelyn, I think going back to what you said, a lot of the time it's the onus is kind of on the student, or you know, the students themselves has to take their own initiative in terms of seeking what's out there or what's available within the university or the institution in terms of entrepreneurial supports or programs and so on. Uh, funny enough, though, I, I read recently that there are plans to implement entrepreneurial-based kind of subjects or modules within all disciplines, not only uh, business-related degrees within universities, which is something I think is core to to creating this entrepreneurial mindset among students from all backgrounds and from all disciplines. So I definitely think it's a promising time for student entrepreneurship or you know youth entrepreneurship in general within Ireland. And we'll just move on now to the last question, which Evelyn, I will pose to you. What is the best advice you've ever received or you would give to budding entrepreneurs? I guess maybe it's not like something someone outright says, but like a lot of people who believe in what we're doing. Um, and when we go to people who believe in what we're doing, and a lot of the time it comes up the fact that some people don't believe in what we're doing, and that is you know challenging. Um, but, you know, there's going to be people who don't agree with your idea, don't think that you could do it, maybe just don't believe in it generally, but you will find people, if you believe in your idea and you believe that it will work, there are people out there who will support you. And um, if we had sort of, in the beginning, if we had like pushback, if we didn't just keep going and just say, you know what, they're just not the right people for us, then we'll find them. Um, you know, maybe we wouldn't still be here. But it's true, we, the further along we go, you know, the more people we get in front of that are the people that we've been looking for from the beginning. So, right. yeah. <laughs> a lot of entrepreneurs, um, even some of the most successful entrepreneurs, can find themselves suffering from imposter syndrome um, and the likes. And I think, you know, as you said there, it's all about perseverance and self-belief, I think, is crucial, um, you know, towards the success. So, no, that's very interesting to note. Guys, it's been brilliant and I feel like we could talk all day, but we'll finish up with some quick fire round questions. Our regular listeners will know that we do this at the end of most of our episodes. So guys, what basically that will happen is I will pose a question. For example, the first one is work from home or office. And I'll just get both of you to whatever comes to your mind uh, first, you know, in terms of what your preference is. So um, I'll let ladies go first. Evan, I'll let you um, give your answer followed by Brandon's. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So as I said, the first question up is work from home or office? Uh, for me, definitely hybrid in terms of being able to work from home. Um, having a disability and some days needing to take my own space and work my own time works for me a lot. But at the same time, I think it's important to be able to connect with people you're working with. So hybrid. <laughs> office. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Apple or Windows? Windows. Windows. <laughs> I see where your loyalties lie, understandably, with Microsoft. Perfect. Emails or phone calls? Email. Phone calls. <laughs> Tea or coffee? Tea. Coffee. <laughs> Hard copy or soft copy? 
Hard copy. Hard copy. <laughs> Microsoft Teams or Zoom? Zoom. Zoom, definitely. <laughs> Sorry, Microsoft. <laughs> LinkedIn or Twitter? Twitter. LinkedIn. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Yeah, night owl, for sure. <laughs> Reading or podcasts? Reading. Podcasts. And time blocking or winging it? Time blocking. Winging it. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, more or less than eight hours sleep? More. Less. We are opposites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For such a good team, you have a lot of conflicting uh, opinions there, which is very interesting to see. <laughs> Guys, that has been fantastic, and I've really enjoyed this episode. Um, I hope you have too. And as I say, the very best of luck in the future. I'm sure I'll be keeping uh, in touch with you guys, but it's been interesting to see just how far you've came since 2019, um, the successes that you've made, the awards you've won, and also, as I mentioned, the the new positions that you're hiring for. So guys, continued success. Um, and that is all for today. Thank you very much for joining me and goodbye. Thanks, man, for all the support. <laughs>